1: The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, a very good morning to you. I hope you are well. How is it uh, How's it going in Israel this morning?
2: Booklet Um Relatively quiet this morning in Israel. Howard, President Macron of France has landed in Israel. He's due to um, meet with President Herzog and Prime Minister Netanyahu during the course of today. Just the latest in a long line. It really, is of the United Nations leaders.
1: happening there at the moment? Absolutely, a long line of world leaders
2: who have come here to express their solidarity with Israel and also to talk about trying somehow to prevent a more regional escalation. We've spoken about how that might potentially. Um, work and how that could potentially threaten um, the European continent because uh, once we start to involve Russia a little bit more broadly and once we get Iran more involved, things look entirely different. And so um, I think that that is really the main context of the meetings that are happening with the long line of world leaders. Of course, today is day 18 of Operation Swords of Iron, the latest a uh, summary is, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, the number of missiles, the number of rockets that are being fired from Gaza towards Israel, <clears throat> any part of Israel has really de- significantly reduced. Even the easy ones that are fired in towards the uh, Gaza envelope area, towns, settlements, Kibbutzim, around Gaza envelope, even those have significantly reduced. Um, And in fact, um, there's been no sign of any rocket fire since during the course of the day yesterday, which is for us under these uh, circumstances quite a long break. And certainly uh, rockets being fired towards central Israel have also reduced significantly. It's not clear why that's the case, if that's all about reducing, um, somehow destroying the capability that Hamas has to fire rockets from Gaza or whether that is a choice that has been made by Hamas for one reason or another to stop that rocket fire um, and to potentially concentrate on something else, whatever it might be. But certainly um, we in the central part of Israel welcome the reduction in the rocket fire. It also means that to some degree things can get back to a semblance of normality. It's been noticeable that schools are slowly but surely kind of returning to learning Uh, One day here, one day there, a few hours here, a few hours there, nothing back to the normal hours, the normal routine as yet. Mm. Also, evidence of coffee shops and restaurants opening for slightly longer hours with people feeling a little bit more secure, a little bit safer to go out and venture out a little bit. The attacks that the IDF, that the Air Force in particular, have been making against Gaza have continued incessantly. Lots and lots of reports of attacks against targets in Gaza and even some reports about what local Gaza residents have described as a slightly different feel about the missiles that have been hitting in Gaza, which makes one think that potentially the Air Force are using more penetrative um, ammunitions to try to get deeper underground to the tunnels to the bunkers that we know do exist um, underneath in gaza and i'm not quite sure whether they quite venture to use the so-called bunker buster bombs that the united states had provided to israel or whether these are just somewhere in between but certainly reports that things are different in gaza in terms of the um the bombs that are being used to target the uh, locations that the uh, air force has Identified in Gaza and I just want to reiterate that Mm. even though there's been a lot of collateral damage in Gaza, many, many residential buildings have been damaged, have been destroyed and lots of aerial photos of the day before and the day after. The IDF and the Air Force in particular are very clinical about what they are aiming to hit and to the extent that residential buildings are being destroyed or being attacked. It's either because somebody is in that residential building who is being targeted, or alternatively because the residential building is hiding, is, is is concealing something else which is more of a military target. The IDF has absolutely no interest to simply go in and destroy civilian infrastructure. And that's kind of one of the, the uh, accusations that have been leveled against the IDF in terms of humanitarianism, in terms of, uh, the Geneva Convention that, you know, the idea of simply goes in and destroys civilian infrastructure. That is really not the case. And to the extent that civilian infrastructure is a collateral damage, it's because there are alternative reasons. There are and um, other reasons why um, these uh, civilian uh, infrastructure, these civilian buildings are being targeted, of course. The big news from – sorry, before the big news from yesterday, I just want to talk a little bit about the northern border. We certainly have a front on the northern border and still a lot of activity on the northern border with clashes between Hezbollah, Hamas, and IDF troops on the northern border. And one can almost say that we have a third front within uh, Judah and Samaria – Judah v. in in Samaria because there has been a lot of IDF activity Um, going after terror cells, going after individuals, uh, targeting people within uh, Yuridava, Shomron, in those areas. And there have been reports of some um, IDF soldiers who've been injured in clashes. So we almost have three fronts that are open at the moment, some more intense than others, but clearly a lot of activity ongoing at the moment in order to... Try to destroy the infrastructure and to destroy the threat that exists against Israel. Now back yeah. to the issue of the big news from yesterday. Mm. I'm mm. sorry, you wanted to, before I jumped. In, yeah, no, no, no. Ca-
1: carry on with the news from yesterday, and then I want to get back to the very strange reports that we're reading from the United States, saying, uh, "Well, Israel is Israel ready for this land mm. incursion?" But let's let's talk about the big news first, and yeah. then let's so go So the big on to news, the, of
2: course, was the release mm. of the two hostages yesterday. Two elderly ladies um, who were released um, last night by Hamas, uh, Yocheved Lifschitz and Nurit Cooper, seventy nine and eighty four years old, were released from captivity in Gaza yesterday. Both were taken to hospital, seemed to be medically okay, were reunited with their families. Both of them have left elderly husbands in Gaza. And that creates a very cynical kind of situation where two elderly men in their 80s have been left behind while their wives have been allowed to come back to Israel. On the one hand, of course, we're very grateful to see the return of hostages, particularly elderly ladies, um, as Nurit and Yochevet are. Um, But it also just begs the question about the other elderly hostages and the children who remain in Gaza, and um, there are some questions that are being asked now about Israel's tactics in dealing with the hostage situation. The current list of hostages, I think, numbers 222 people, of which about 60 of them are people who hold dual nationality, both Israeli citizenship and the citizenship of another country. And it seems as if the people are now regretting the fact that Israel might have shared the list of people with dual nationality because there seems to be some sort of a focus on uh, Hamas actually more likely to be releasing those people who have dual nationality rather than releasing people who simply are Israeli citizens only. And so there might be uh, some regret uh, on the part of the Israeli authorities that they've shared this list of people who have dual nationality because that may well then just result in them being preferred beca- for release because of the pressure that is being put upon Hamas by um, some of the countries the United States in particular but also other countries with whom uh, these, for, with whom these uh, captives actually have citizenship. So and questions are being asked about the tactics of releasing the Jew citizenship list, and whether that might not ultimately have been a mistake. Only time will tell. There were reports yesterday that the international Red, uh, the International Committee of the Red Cross, was preparing to receive up to 60 hostages to be released from Gaza. In the end, only Yochaveit and Nurit were released. Ironically,
1: do we know Jochevet the
2: we, we don't really know the reason why those two were chosen for release over everybody else. They both have dual nationality. Let's start with that. Um, the irony about Yochebet is that she was somebody who, prior to this war, used to stand at the gate of, Ga- of the Gaza Strip, receiving those Palestinians from Gaza who needed medical treatment in Israel. She was somebody who was there to take them from the crossing in Gaza and to bring them to Israeli medical facilities for them to receive medical treatment. She ultimately landed up as a hostage in the Gaza Strip. Um, There is a lot to be spoken about in terms of uh, some of the information that's been released about uh, some of the atrocities that have been committed about this whole humanitarian discussion just one thing that I wanted to add before we go on to the question that Mm. you asked Mm. about the United States comment, that one of the things, just, you know, in the days prior to the war, Howard, you may recall that we used to talk about things like whether Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jail are receiving humanitarian treatment, whether they should be allowed to play PlayStation, whether they should Mm. receive visits Mm. once a month Mm. or twice a month from their family members. That was the discussion before the war. We also spoke about The residents of Gaza who were coming to work in Israel, some tens of thousands of them, and how the gates were open in spite of the fact that there was all this tension along the Gaza fence. But the gates were open to allow those employees to come and work in Israel and to earn their living and to bring the economy back to Gaza and to try to somehow open up a dialogue, open up some sort of a a flow Mm, between mm. the Gaza Strip and Israel. It turns out, and I've had some um, unconfirmed reports, that many of those workers who came to work in Israel were feeding back intelligence to Hamas and were using that information, the goodwill of the Israeli families who brought them into their homes on the kibbutzim while they were working there and fed them and welcomed them in and, and, and really befriended them, using that information, in order to return back and attack them in their homes. Mm.
1: Very, very ironic indeed. Indeed. Uh, Let's talk about the American comments on Israel's readiness. I find it strange. I find it perplexing that Israel, that the United States are the strong ally. They're sending people to assist in war planning and then going back and telling the press that Israel's not ready. Is this real? Is this disinformation? I, I, I can't wrap my head around it.
2: Um, I also find it very strange because even if there is a a genuine question, even if there is a genuine question as to whether or not Israel is ready, that's not something that you want to say out, out loud right now. It's not a public statement that one wants to make in order to create any level of doubt within the Israeli population, within uh, Hamas, about whether there is readiness. I don't know whether this is some sort of a tactic or not. What I do know is that Israeli forces have been training very intensively over the last two weeks in order to be ready for the ground incursion in Gaza, which will come. Sometime, and we've spoken about the delays, and it's still not happened yet. But it will certainly come sometime. I know that there's been very, very intensive preparations, training that continues to be uh, uh, to go on uh, along the borders and, and in, in bases around Israel in order to prepare soldiers for this ground incursion. I also know that Hamas are planning for it as well. They're also making themselves ready in order to surprise Israeli troops when they come into the Gaza Strip with things that are unplanned and unprepared for and, and, and potentially surprising. Um, but um, I would think that Israel, with the strength of its army and with the training that the soldiers have gone through and with the strength of the air force and with the military equipment and the support at their disposal, I would have thought that Israel have the ability to really go in and to destroy the Hamas infrastructure to the extent that's required. Uh, these questions that are being asked by the United States, I'm not quite sure whether they are designed to somehow delay or to potentially even head off the ground incursion for reasons which are not clear to me. But all in all, the question, at least to me, seems very misplaced.
1: That's my feeling as well, but we'll continue to follow that story. Anthony Reich, thank you as always for bringing us the news from Israel. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at
0: 745 That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. contact us at www.theblueagency.com.